0: Welcome to uh, week one of our brand new series, Bucket List. And I'm excited to dive into to this new series. And, and the reality for me, here's a kind of a confession, the older I get, the faster time seems to fly by. I don't know if that's your experience or not, but the older I get, man, the faster time seems to go. Uh, it seems like 2007 wasn't that long ago, but kids that were born in 2007 are now teenagers, uh, my graduating class of high school was the year 2000. Anybody else graduated in the year 2000? Well, this this might make you feel a little bit old like it does me. Uh, the graduating class of 2000, kids that were born the year we graduated high school have now graduated high school. And they're on to their career, they're on into college. I mean, it just makes me feel <laughs> feel a little bit old. Uh, we were looking for a movie with uh, our kids just a couple of weeks ago, and having kind of a family movie night, and I suggested a movie. And, and one of my kids says, Dad, this looks like a movie out of the 90s. And like it was like ancient history. I'm like, That's because it is out of the 90s, and it's an awesome movie. But you would have thought I would have been asking my kids to like stare at a cave wall and view like hieroglyphics that cavemen wrote. Like cause it was the 90s. That's so, so long ago. Uh, if you were, you know, born in the 90s, a lot of good things came out of the 90s that kids that were born in the 2000s just just won't experience like we did, right? Um, things like, like dial-up internet. And, and if you, you had dial-up internet, you remember how this worked. Like you had to take this cable and like plug it into your computer. And you might recall hearing this, this sound. Check this out. You guys remember this one? (laughs) That's awesome. Like, Like, my kids hear that and they're like, is that like an emergency test signal? Like, what is taking place? Like, in their world, like, the internet's just in the air. Like, nothing has to be plugged in. It's just, it just is. Like, internet is... It exists everywhere. Uh, maybe you remember this throwback, this, this Blockbuster membership card. Come on. You, you guys remember this, like Friday nights, here's what you did for entertainment. Like you went to Blockbuster, our place like this. You, you rent a couple movies, like you grab some candy, some popcorn, and but here's the deal. You had to return your movie the next day to a physical location. And before you took it back, you had to remember to be kind and... You had to rewind that puppy. It's like, how did we survive? Like, what was going on then? Here's just a fun fact. While I was trying to find a graphic for this, this message and kind of searching around online for a, a Blockbuster membership card, I found that right now today. Like, if you own a Blockbuster membership card, you have an antique A collector's item because on eBay right now you can buy a Blockbuster membership card that has somebody else's name on it and you'll never be able to use for $1299 to $5,000 for a Blockbuster membership card going right now. So you might have some money in your wallet that you didn't realize you had with that Blockbuster membership card. Here's, a, here's another throwback. Um, maybe you remember in cars, they had these things. Uh, this is a, a manual roll down window. This is, this, I know like if you're born in the 2000s, like we just have these buttons and it's awesome and I love them as much as the next guy, but, but this is why we call it rolling down the windows because we actually had to roll down the windows. I mean, like grandpa had to walk uphill in snow both ways to school, but we, we had to roll down our windows I mean the 2000s It's just not on the radar but time flies by doesn't it like time just goes fast and and I often take it for granted I think we often take it for granted. We get distracted. I mean, we get we get busy with the next thing and in our families it's the next birthday, it's the next holiday, it's the next vacation. Uh, we got to get the kids into school. We got to help them with school and their their homework. We got to get them through the teenage years. Like we, we have to plan for that summer vacation and then year after year it's rinse and repeat and all the while times just it's just flying by at work. It's, it's this task. It's this, this checklist. It's this project. It's this, this next objective that we have to meet. And then we, we cross that milestone. We meet that objective. And then what comes next? A new list, a new project, a new assignment. And we just, we just keep our heads down and just keep plugging away. And then it's rinse and repeat and do it all, do it all over again. And all of our focus, is, it can just be trying to make it through another day. And sometimes if you're like me, we can romanticize the past. We're like, I remember, I remember when, I remember when we used to. And, and here's what I would suggest, that the past can bring us perspective. Hustling in the present can help us be productive But having a clear view of the future is vital to living wisely and not wasting your days. And that's my hope for you that you wouldn't waste any of your days. And that's why dreaming, that's why having a a bucket list, that's why by looking to the future is so vital for our health and well being so we don't. We don't waste our days. Here's what a bucket list is. Here, here's a simple definition of a bucket list. It's a it's simply things you want to do before you kick the bucket. Like what's what's on your bucket list? That's a, that'd be a fun question to to tackle and, and maybe talk through. Uh, but we don't wanna waste our days. We wanna live life like we're dying because here's the reality, like, uh, we are. We, it's gonna, it's, there's, a, there's a statistic out there like 100% chance that that's gonna happen, that day's, that day's coming. And so here's the big idea of our series, Bucket List. Here's the big idea you can hang on to. If you, you've been tuning out, I invite you to lean back in and hear this one. Here's my hope for us, that we would number our days so that we don't waste our days. Here's my hope for you. You would number your days so you do not waste your days. That's the big idea of this whole series, Bucket List. And here's our theme verse. It's found in Psalm 90, verse 12. Here, here, this is a good prayer for you to pray for the next four weeks. I, I invite you to take this scripture and, and write it down, put it on the mirror, put it in your car if you're commuting back to work these days, maybe stick it on your computer so you can see it before you get back on Zoom. Here's what, here's what Psalms 90, verse, verse 12 says. It says, teach us to number our days teach us to number our days aright so that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Listen, I need to number my days because my days are numbered. And I don't know what that number is, but I need to number my days aright so that I can gain a heart of wisdom. I love the way that the New American Standard Bible uh, translates this verse. It says, so so teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Like, God, we want to present to you a heart of wisdom, a heart that, that takes action on what we know we should do. And we, we've numbered our days accordingly because we know our, our days are numbered. Here, Here's the good news. You're not dead yet. So you're not done yet. I know some of you might be watching this, you'd be like, Tim, I've wasted a lot of days. Well, welcome to the club, because I have too. But I know this to be true of you. I know this to be true of me. You're not dead yet. You're not done yet. So God still has big plans, still has purposes, still has has dreams and goals and vision for your life because you're not dead yet. You're not done yet. God still has good things in store. And so today I want us to to. Get some perspective. My my hope over these next few minutes is just to to help you have practical handles so that whenever whenever you do kick the bucket, that you, you kick the bucket without any regrets. You can minimize your regrets. That's my hope for us today. And here's what I do know about regrets as well. Sometimes regrets can be motivators in our present. Like I have some regrets in my past, uh, but, but some of those regrets motivate me in the present to live life on purpose, to live like my days are numbered because my days are numbered. Regrets from your past can, can be our motivators to live on purpose right here, right now in the present. And here's what I know to be true. None of us want to come to the end of our lives and say, I wish I would have. I I think I should have. I wish I had. No, we want to say, man, we, we, we went all in. We left it all on the field. And so today we're going to take a look at what the Bible says about how we can live life without regret. In the Bible, there's this, this guy named Paul, and Paul was this, he's an apostle, like he's this spiritual giant, and he had this, this mentor named Timothy, and, and Paul was getting ready to kick the bucket, and he wrote, wrote, wrote Timothy a letter, uh, just to let him know like, hey, I think my time here is coming to an end, and, and I just want to give you some, some advice, and, and so, so he does that, and, and he's kind of having this self-reflective moment, and I want to read it to you. And as I read it, I want you to filter, like, does it sound like Paul has regrets at the end of his, his run? It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. And here's what Paul says. He says, as for me, my life is already being poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. He's like, I'm, I'm about to kick the bucket. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have remained, you might say this word out loud with me, I've remained faithful. He's remained faithful and now a prize awaits me. Now Paul was a man who who had some regrets. Uh, A part of Paul's life was, was actually putting Christians to death, like executing them, persecuting them. But he, 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 started, he found Jesus, he started following him, and he, he dedicated the rest of his life to helping other people find and follow Jesus. And it just reminds me of, of this quote from uh, Maria Robertson. And I don't know if she actually said it. I first heard it from Zig Ziglar, but it's a good quote that you can hang on to when it comes to living life with regrets and moving forward past that. Here's what she said. She said, nobody can go back and start a new beginning. The apostle Paul, he had regrets. He couldn't go back and start a new beginning though. But, but here's what we can do. But all of us can start today and make a new ending. You, you might not be able to go back and start a new beginning, but all of us can start today and create a new ending. That's what the apostle Paul did. So while he lived with regret, he came to the end of his life and he said, he said man, I, I've, been, I've ran my race. I've been faithful. I've, I've fought the good fight. And here's the deal. I love this, this, this verbiage that he used because here's, there's a fight. Like there's a fight to remain faithful. If we're gonna run a race, like it, it requires perseverance. Like it, those are words that are dripping with sweat. But, but here's the payoff, faithfulness. And at the end of your life, have this hope, have this, this, this knowledge, have this confidence, have this conviction that now there's a surprise that it awaits me. So here's a question for you to consider. How do you minimize regrets? How do you minimize regrets? Well, I would submit to you, and this is the big idea for the day. Here's the big idea. If you, if you've, again, if you've zoned out, I invite you to zone back in for just a moment to hear this. I believe you can minimize your regrets by eliminating tomorrow's regrets with today's faithfulness. You can eliminate tomorrow's regrets by living faithfully today with today's faithfulness. Uh, uh, There's a book, it's actually called uh, Five Regrets of the Dying, like super exciting title, right? Uh, Five Regrets of the Dying, A Life Transformed by the Dearly Departing. It's written by uh, Bronnie Ware. actually first learned about her through a, a TED Talk that she did on this this topic and, and so Bronnie Ware, she, she invested her life helping people, comforting people in, right before they kicked the bucket. Like she was with people, hundreds of people, the last three to 12 weeks of their life. And she documented that experience. And she wrote this book of the top five regrets that, that people had before they kicked the bucket. And I'm, I'm gonna use her, her, her research, I'm gonna use her, her findings as kind of a framework for our, our time together today so that you can come to the end of your life and not have some of the regrets that so many people that have gone on before you have had. And we can eliminate tomorrow's regrets with today's faithfulness. Here's the number one regret. Number one regret people had is that they didn't live from their true identity. My hope for you is that, that, that you would live in your true identity. And so if you're taking notes, this is where the first fill in the blank begins. Live in your true identity. One of the top regrets was, I wish I had the courage to live my, my true self, not the life others expected of me, end quote. And so these people, they, they said, man, I, I live this life like a facade, like I was trying to meet their expectations and her expectations and his expectations. And as a result, I came to the end of my life with this regret that I didn't live my true self. I, I had an identity crisis throughout my life. And uh, and as a follower of Jesus, here's what I believe. It's all about accepting your status as God's child. Understanding, living from this accurate identity, like I'm God's kid. Like the creator of the universe calls me his own. So that we can come to the end of our life without regrets that so many people before us have had. Now having children of my own, man, it's reframed this reality for me. Because here's what, here's the reality. Like my my kids make mistakes, but it doesn't hinder me from loving them any less or any more. Uh, Check out this picture. Here's my my oldest son when he was little, uh, gave him some ice cream. Maybe it was a parenting mistake here actually, uh, but he got it all over himself and all over our car. Like (laughs) we try to hook him up and like, it was a big, big mess. But I didn't love him any less because of that. Uh, Drake, here's our our middle child. Uh, This is a few years back. He had seen dad like fix my hair in the mirror and I was outside working and, and he comes out like this with an entire bottle of vaseline on his dome like he didn't grab the hair gel he grabbed vaseline we scrubbed his hair we showered it we tried shampooing we 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 did everything ultimately the only thing that worked was dawn dish soap to get all this vaseline out of my son's hair but in the midst of this blunder i didn't love him any less i didn't think think he was over i didn't think it was he was done for i mean he he blew it but it was still my son. That's my boy. I, I still love him. He, this next picture of my daughter, Elsie. Now, how many of you parents have had a son or daughter do something like this? Like they go to the pantry, grab the flour. She grabbed the powder sugar because she's got a sweet tooth. And she's just eating handfuls of powder sugar whenever daddy walks in. And I'm like, you, you shouldn't do it. Hold on. Let me get a picture first, though. <laughs> how many parents recognize that? But, but, but here's the deal. Like these are my kids. I love them. Do they make mistakes? Absolutely. Does it hinder their future of of my love and my relationship from them? No. Because here's the deal. They're my kids, not based on their performance, but based on their birth. My kids. And nothing they do could could make me love them more. Nothing they do could could ever hinder my love. Whether they like it or not, they're my kids. I I, I just love them, even whenever they blow it even whenever they get ice cream all over their face. And sometimes I just have to remind myself of that because sometimes I feel like God hands me a, a delicious ice cream cone and I just, I just make a mess. Or I'm like trying to emulate my heavenly father and I reach for the wrong bottle of gel and I end up with Vaseline all over my face and all over my hair. Or, or like I, I, daddy's not looking, I'm gonna go to the pantry and grab some, some powder sugar and <laughs> go to town. But I have to remind myself, even whenever I blow it, Still my heavenly father, he still 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 loves me, and, and my identity is still, I am a child of God. God himself describes himself as our father throughout the Bible and and believers, followers of Jesus, as his his kids, and he loves us like a father, but much more perfectly than any father can ever love their kids. He he loves you as a follower of Jesus. He has a deep, deep love for you, and it's not based on your performance. It's based on your birth. Because so when we're born again, you see yourself as God's kids, not just as, just as he, he, he sees you. Uh, you can take your identity as one of God's dearly loved children. That's actually a phrase that, that that God used to describe his son, Jesus, at his baptism. And so in Matthew 3, 16 through 17, we read about uh, Jesus' baptism and, and a little sidebar footnote caveat here. Uh, if you haven't been baptized, man, we would be honored to help you go public with your faith. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have not yet been baptized, man, that is your best next step. Like before you take another shower, before you eat another meal, before, before you get baptized. And here's one of the best reasons why Jesus did it. As followers of Jesus, we, well, we follow Jesus. And he set the example for us. And Jesus was baptized. And so it's incumbent upon us to follow him in that action and go public with our faith and get get baptized all right back to the message though here's Jesus it's at his baptism here's what it says after his baptism as Jesus came up out of the water the heavens opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and sitting on him on Jesus and a voice from heaven said check this out this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy Great joy. This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. That, that word dearly loved is, is actually probably more accurately translated beloved. We see that word, same word in the Greek, the original uh, language of the New Testament as, as beloved. It's often translated in other passages as, as brothers and sisters. It's like, no, it's a family term. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It's a title that God gave Jesus at his his baptism. And here's what I think is so fascinating about that. That's before Jesus ever gave like a, a public message or sermon that's recorded. It's before Jesus ever performed like his first miracle. It's before Jesus would ultimately go to the cross and lay down his life for you and for me. And it just just affirms that that Jesus' identity was not based on his performance. The Father's affirmation wasn't based on his performance, but it was based on him being his. His son. And why is that so important? Because love was the platform from which Jesus lived his remarkable life. And love was not the reward of a good life. It was his God-given identity. And it's your identity as well as a follower of Jesus. It's my identity. We're dearly loved, beloved, who bring our father great joy. What an honor that is. The early church, they, they reminded themselves, they reminded each other of that reality frequently. Uh, this, this word that, that God used to, to, to give his son, that the title that he gave Jesus at his baptism, uh, the word there in the Greek language is, is agabatas. And, and it's used over 61 times in the New Testament. So So we see like the writers of scriptures greeting the church as, hey, beloved, Hey, hey! I got an issue, but I'm gonna to talk to you because you are beloved. I'm gonna address you like you are God's child. I'm gonna to respond to conflict like I'm a child of God. I'm going to address situations swirling around me like, like no, I'm, I'm his son and I, I'm here to represent him. And hey, you're his son, you're his daughter, so I need to talk to you like you're a son or daughter of the king as well. And 61 times, In the New Testament, they reminded each other of this reality. You are God's beloved. Embrace that identity. They called each other beloved. It was their identity that they could rest in and to remind them they could rest in, in God's love. Nothing to prove. Nothing to earn. And that became the platform from which they changed the trajectory of the world. Because when you don't have any love to earn, you have all the love to give away. And when there's nothing to prove, you have so much more to give. And it's 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 in the giving of love that protects you from regrets. You can stop living in fear of failure and disappointing others. You can take more risk. You can you can can become who God truly called you to be. Because you already have all the affirmation that you need. You can rest in God's forgiveness and purpose and hope that He provides. He He loves you like a good father. That's who He is. And you're His Son. You're His daughter. So how are you doing? How are you doing in that area of your life? How about you? He's your beloved. You are His beloved. So when failure makes you feel worthless, you can say, nah, I'm God's beloved. When disappointment has you feeling abandoned, you say, nah, I'm God's beloved. When harsh comments that make you feel like a waste of space, you can say, nah, that's not true of me. I am God's, I'm his beloved. And so are you. You don't need any more approval from others. You just need to accept the title, the identity, your heavenly father, Provide you embrace the identity He's given you. You need to live from that status of God's beloved. You're God's, you're God's kid and that leads to a life with no regrets. So you can eliminate tomorrow's regrets with today's faithfulness and one of the best ways to do that is to embrace your God-given identity. Here's the second thing, second way we can we can eliminate tomorrow's regrets is to prioritize life and work. Prioritize life and work. This is the second most prevalent regret that brawny wear documents of, of people that were, were dying. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, he, he asked uh, some of his viewers to send in uh, uh, some tweets with the hashtag, how I quit my job. And I'm not suggesting anyone quit their job right now. I just think these are funny whenever it comes to, to work and life, life balance. So here's the first one. Uh, it says this, I, I worked at Wendy's as a high school senior. Uh, I asked for the weekend off for a college visit and the boss said, I had to choose college or Wendy's. (laughs) Uh, I'm glad that was an easy choice for him to make. Hashtag how I quit my job. Uh, This next one's pretty good. My coworkers and I quit as a group. We told our boss off and then we left together in a limousine that we had waiting in the parking lot. Hashtag how I quit my job. It was like (laughs) party bus to the unemployment line. Let's go. It's awesome. (laughs) Oh, that's, that's memorable. Here's the final one. I like this one, this is probably my favorite. Uh, My friends dressed as CIA agents and ran into the office yelling, we finally got you, we finally got you. And they chased me out the door, I never went back. (laughs) <laughs> Hashtag how I quit my job, I mean, that's how you do it right there. And again, I'm not advocating for that. But I, I think it does highlight and maybe it's a good reminder for us that, that we do need to figure out this, this work-life life balance rhythm. Because uh, so many people, number one regret was that they wish they, they had prioritized uh, life and family and what matters most overtime in the office. And no one on their deathbed said, man, I wish, I wish I had scheduled more meetings on sales calls. I, I wish I, wish I had, had completed more of my to-do list at the office. No, no one said, like, man, I, I wish I hadn't, I, I hadn't skipped uh, uh, so many vacation days. That probably was a regret. They didn't say, say man, I, I'm glad I skipped my vacation days. I'm glad I skipped my time with family. I'm glad I, I didn't shut it off at family dinner. Uh, uh, they didn't say any of those things. They said, man, I wish I spent more time on what matters, matters most. And yeah, the idea is just that they, they hadn't spent so much time earning money that wouldn't last and they invested more time with people that, that did matter and was most significant to them. And you know, 2020 has been a, a real challenge for, for all of us. Uh, But I think one of the silver linings in 2020 is it's allowed us to kind of reframe some of the most important things in life, especially when it comes to to family and work-life balance and... And at the same time, I recognize for for many of us, it's been a dead sprint, but I have enjoyed seeing more pictures of family walks. I have enjoyed seeing more pictures of uh, bike rides and just just time together uh, in the midst of shelter in place. I mean, we're in the home with our kids, with our family nonstop, right? So uh, there's some good things that I hope we take out of 2020 as we move forward to, to maintain this priority in our life. Because listen, achievement and security are no substitute for connection. Uh, they're not the pathway to happiness, but, but oftentimes pursuing those things can be a, a sidetrack that leads to regret. Uh, here's what the author of Ecclesiastes says whenever it comes to avoiding regret. He says, Ecclesiastes 5.10, it says, those who love money, well, there's never going to be enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings happiness. Like we, we deceive ourselves and we think, no, more, more time, one more call, one more sales call, one more this, one more that. That will bring fulfillment. The Bible just says like that's not going to bring ultimately what, we are, what we're hoping for. And so it's like we talked about last, that we don't just need money to live on, but we need something bigger to live for. And thankfully, God provides that for us. Here's a confession. I struggle in this area of my life. Whenever I was preparing for this, I'm like, oh man, like this one hits me between the eyes because I'm not great at this. It reminds me of what John Maxwell said. It says, the worst excuse is a good excuse. The worst excuse is a good excuse. And if you're like me, I'm sure you have some pretty good excuses of why you work so much and why, why sometimes you neglect family time. And sometimes why you neglect things that you know are most important. Uh, but you have good excuses for it. One of my favorite quotes is from Van Gogh, and he said, things that matter most must never be at the mercy of things that matter least. And I believe that. I embrace that as a truth, but sometimes my calendar, sometimes my schedule reflect the opposite. And so for me, here's what I framed up this week is to kind of help me pull this back into into more of the middle ground, into balance. I I just frame up like, hey, whenever I kick the bucket, I, I see two scenarios playing out. I envision... There I am, and my kids are there. And they get up on stage to talk about their dad. And in one scenario, they say, man, my dad, he loved God and he loved people. And my dad, man, he invested his time to help people find and follow Jesus. But but my dad was helping so many other people that he wasn't present with us a whole lot. When he was there, he was always on his computer, always on his phone. He wasn't really present. That's one narrative that could play out. And I'm probably leading my life in that direction. Here's a second narrative that could play out. Man, my dad, he loved God and he loved people. And while he was pulled a thousand different directions, he always made time for what matters most. He always prioritized us. I always felt like he was available to me whenever I needed him the most. And you can probably imagine which narrative I'm hoping for whenever my day comes. And I'm assuming that's your hope too. And here's the deal. Here, here's, this is a good, good wake-up call for me. I hope, it's, hope it is for you if, if you're kind of redlining that direction as well. Let's just pull it back into balance. Let's pull it back. Monday's brand-new day. We have a fresh start this week. Let, let, let's, let's bring what's most important back to the forefront so we don't, we don't invest our lives in things that, that we'll regret. Here's the third um, another way to, to fight against future regrets with today's faithfulness, here's what they found, uh, that uh, people on their, their, their deathbed at their last day said, I wish I expressed my feelings. I, I wish I, I'd expressed my feelings more. And so my hope for you is that you would be willing to express, express those, those feelings. The deeper regret here is that, that many things were left unsaid and many things that, that they wish they would have told someone they, 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 they didn't. They kind of regretted that at the end of their life. And, and Jesus, you know, the night before he was betrayed, he, he was meeting with his disciples. And here's what he said in John 15, 12. He said, this is my command. Love each other in the way that I have loved you. And Jesus modeled this for us. He loved with, with action. He loved with his words. He loved with, with all of his being. And we get to emulate that as well. And I also recognize that, uh, people watching this, there's some of, some of us on this that are, are very uh, in touch with our feelings and are able to articulate that very well. Uh, also realize on this uh, online experience, there's some of you that are, are very intellectual, very, uh, uh, very, very black and white, and the feelings are kind of like, ah, I don't really know where those land. And or maybe some of you watching this, like you've, you've tried to be vulnerable and express your feelings, but you got burned in the past. But here's what I would say, love demands us. Love requires, what does love require of us? It requires of of us to be vulnerable. It does require of us to to put ourselves out there with with the risk of being rejected again. It, It does require of us to put ourselves out there and express what we're feeling, to express what's on our mind. And so perhaps for some of us, the best way to eliminate tomorrow's regrets with today's faithfulness is to use some of these simple words to share with with those you love, to let them know, maybe you write them down, maybe you shoot them a text, maybe you give them a call and simply say these words like, I love you. Maybe say words like, I'm sorry, I forgive you. Maybe say words like, would you forgive me? Maybe to say words like, I miss you, I'm for you. To say words like, "I, I was wrong in that and I'm sorry. To say words like, I wanna start over again. There's no guarantee that you'll have tomorrow the time to reach out to ask for those things or to say those things again. And so simply one of the best ways to eliminate tomorrow's regrets is to live with today's faithfulness and communicate what you're thinking to communicate what you're feeling to those you care about the most. The fourth is, is this. Uh, here's what she found in all of her years of, of being with people in those final moments of life. Uh, number four was that they wish they had kept in touch with friends. And so my hope for you, one of the best ways to eliminate tomorrow's regrets with today's faithfulness is to keep in touch with your friends. To reach out to some people that you haven't talked to for a while. Some of those faithful friends that have done life with you. To reach out to them and maybe share some of those words about how much they, they mean to you. Studies show over and over that the quality of our life hinges on the quality of our relationships. It impacts us mentally, it impacts us physically, it impacts us spiritually. Like we are better, we're better together. Here's what Proverbs 13:20 says. Walk with the wise and grow wise. Associate with fools... you're going to get into trouble. It's kind of that that age-old saying, like, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Uh, Jim Rohn, he puts it this way. He says, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Like, like relationships matter. And so if you've, you've done life, you've had some faithful friends, and maybe you've moved away, or maybe you've just lost connection with them, reach out to them. Avoid that regret with today's Faithfulness. Number five. Here's the fifth and final one. Uh, choose habits of happiness. So many people came to the end of their life and they said they're, they're ready to kick the buck, and they said, "I wish I would have let myself enjoy more things. I wish I would have, have made habits that cultivated happiness in my in my life." It kind of reminds me of of Winnie the Pooh. You know, um, Winnie the Pooh. There's there's a few different characters that are primary characters there's there's Winnie the Pooh there's Eeyore and then there's There's Tigger. Uh, I saw this meme for for Winnie the Pooh. And uh, and Winnie the Pooh, the meme said this, a a reminder that Winnie the Pooh wore a crop top with no panties and he ate his fave food and loved himself and you can too. Like, hey, you can wear a crop top, eat your favorite food and love yourself like Winnie the Pooh. Like you you can do that, you can do that too. Uh, There's different personalities though. And one of those is Tigger. And Tigger is like the ultimate optimist, right? Like I wish I was more like, Tigger we all need some Tiggers in our life because they are Pollyanna they see things with rose colored glasses all the time and those people are awesome uh, one of my favorite quotes from Tigger is is the wonderful thing about Tigger is Tigger's a wonderful thing their tops are made of rubber their bottoms are made out of springs they're bouncy trouncy flouncy pouncy fun 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 the most wonderful thing about Tigger is I'm the only one I'm the only one how awesome is that? Like, I wish I woke up and got out of bed and that was my mindset. Like, this is awesome. I'm awesome. This is all good. And some of you live with that framework and I, I just want you to know the rest of us are envious of you. Um, there's Eeyore, right? Like, is the total fatalist. Like, he's a pessimist. Everything's wrong. There's, there's Pooh and like, he's eating his fave food and wearing crop tops and like, just, he's loving, he's loving life. But here you have three different characters all experiencing the same reality every day but with a very different mindset a very different outlook on on life and the same is true for us Uh, I I found this from uh, berkeley.edu they wrote an article uh, that was entitled how much of your happiness is under your control and uh, there's this, this pie chart that they shared. And, and here's what they found. Here's what, here's what they discovered. That, that 50% of your, your happiness is like it's baked into your character. Like it's baked into your wiring. It's baked into the your, 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 your fabric of your, your life. Like there's not a whole lot of control here. Like this is genetics. Um, then they found that, that 10%, just 10% of your life, your happiness in life hinges on your circumstances. And so what blew me away about this is that, like you can go through, I can go through, we can check everything off of our bucket list and it's only going to impact our outlook on life 10%. Or like we can experience all that we're experiencing right now in 2020 and the research shows that, 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 that only 10% of our outlook on life is, is impacted by this. 50% genetics, 10% circumstances, 40% is intentional action. 40% is, is within your control. Over like 40% is something I can do something about. 40% of your happiness in life is like, it's your choice. That blew me, that blew me away. And so how do we create habits that that lead to, to happiness? Because 40% of it's in your control. And it just reminded me of. Philippians Philippians chapter four, verses six through seven. This is a great passage to memorize. It's an even better pra- uh, message to put into practice this week. And, and here's, what, here's what it says. Don't worry about anything. <laughs> can we just, let's just pause there. Like what? <laughs> Don't worry about anything? Like how can, how can the Bible say that? Like. Like, here's what I would say, like the Bible wouldn't say this if it weren't possible. And so while we may not have led ourselves to a a spiritually mature spot to where we can say this is true of us, because it's in the Bible, because it's asked of us, we we have to live with this framework, like it's attainable. We can get to a place where we don't worry about anything, but instead we, we choose to pray about everything. Like we're gonna implement this habit into our life. And here's what I would challenge you to do. This is where the Bible gets very practical. It says, tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And so here's here's an invitation to apply point number five to your life this week. People came to the end of their life and said, man, I wish I had chose habits of happiness more frequently. Here's what I think is one of the keystone habits to happiness, to finding joy and not worrying about stuff in your life. Two things, get two pieces of paper. Here's what I wanna invite you to do this week. And on the first page, you're going to tell God what you need. Like, think about it this way. Sometimes I ask myself this. Like, Tim, if Jesus came and was standing right next to me right now, and he said, Tim, what do you need? What would I say? I want you to ask yourself that question. If Jesus physically was standing right next to you, sitting right next to you right now, and he said, hey, Rhonda, what do you need? Hey, hey, Dave, what can I do for you? Hey, 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 Michelle, what? What would you like? What what can I do? How can I come along? How can I help? Hey Ken, what what can I do? What tell God what you need, like write it down on one page, and then here's the second part: thank him for all he has done on the second page, and you just start to write it out. Like what what has he done for you? Give him thanks for that. The Bible says that every every good and perfect gift. Is from God. What are the good things that you've experienced in your life? Like you woke up this morning smelling the roses and not the roots. I'm gonna I'm gonna write that one down. Like I, I, I I'm uh, today, mercy is fresh and new. I'm gonna thank you for fresh mercy. God, today I can I can I can touch, I can talk, I can hear, I can see, I can smell, like things that, that a lot of people aren't able to do. Like I can do those things. God, I'm gonna write those things down. I live in America, like I'm gonna write that down. Like, like what are the good things that you're thankful for? do you have family? Do you have friends? Like, has God been good to you? Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. And then here's where it gets good. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything, anything, we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. This word here is the same word that Paul uses for like a Roman centurion. It's a soldier. It'll guard your heart. Like it's the last line of defense. God will have your back in a way that you've never experienced before. You put this into practice and and this is implementing a habit of happiness. This is implementing a biblical principle so that you can begin to live a life where you say, "Ah." God's got this. He's a big God. He's going before me. He's guarding my heart and my mind as I live in Christ Jesus. I mentioned earlier that the first time I heard of of Bronnie Ware was on a TED Talk. And in that TED Talk, she reflects and was kind of posing the question, like, what's a common thread in all of these top five regrets of the dying? Like, what are the the common regrets and what's at the root of those And here's what she said. She said, they all came down to, and I quote, they all came down to a lack of courage. People were afraid of living their true calling. They were afraid to share their feelings. They were afraid to reconnect with old friends. They were afraid to stop working so hard and so much. They were afraid to let themselves be happier. So today, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do I have the faith and the courage to push, push past my fears and what wants to steer me to regret? Do I have the courage and the faith to push past my fears that steer me towards regret? Listen to me, church. You can eliminate tomorrow's regrets with today's faithfulness. Let's pray. Well, Father, I, I thank you for your faithfulness to us. And God, I thank you that you, you provide for us a pathway to live without regret. So God, I pray for everyone watching this, that God, we would, we would embrace today's faithfulness. We would conduct ourselves with faithfulness today so we don't hang on to regrets for tomorrow. God, I, I pray that you would strengthen us with the power of your spirit so that we can be men and women of, women of courageous faith. God, so at the end of our life, we can say we didn't allow fear to hold us back. We wouldn't be one of those numbers that Bronnie references. God, would you strengthen your church to that end, I pray. Now, as you continue in kind of this posture of prayer, I also know for many of you watching this that, that perhaps the main thing that you need to check off your bucket list is to begin a real relationship with God. And the Bible says that the only way you can do that is by, by embracing his son, Jesus, and accepting what he did on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins. And, and that can lead to a whole different life for you right now in the present. It can, you can eliminate tomorrow's regrets by today's choice. And if you want to em- embrace that, you want to, you want to go on a journey with God, here's what the Bible says, that, that if you believe in your heart that, that Jesus paid the penalty for all your mistakes on the cross... He, he, he paid your fine in that moment and he didn't just end on the cross because our, 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 our penalty for sin is, is death, but Jesus paid that for you. But he didn't just end on the cross, he rose again. And because he's alive, you can experience real life in him. And when you believe that in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is gonna be the CEO of your life, he's gonna be Lord, he's gonna call the shots in your life, The Bible says that in that moment, you can be saved. That can be this moment right here, right now. And it will lead to a life without regret, I guarantee it. It'll be the most daring adventure that you've ever embarked on. It's one of the most simple decisions you can make, but it will cost you everything. And so if that's where you are, you wanna begin a real relationship with Jesus, it would be my joy to lead you in a prayer to connect with him right here, right now in this moment. So if that's you, would you say a prayer along with me uh, like this, Say, say, God, I recognize I've made some mistakes in my life. I I realize that it's called sin. And God, because I've broken some eternal commands, I realize there is an eternal consequence for that. But God, I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sins on the cross. And I believe that he rose again. And because I believe that, God, today I'm, I'm asking you to come into my life And because I believe that, God, I'm going to let you be the CEO of my life. I'm going to give you control, let you call the shots. I'm going to live my life the way you want me to live. Today, God, I surrender my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey, if that was your prayer, once you know, man, all of heaven is like erupting in celebration over that decision for you right here, right now. Uh, And we as a central family, like we're in your corner, we have your back, we're celebrating with you as well. And uh, we'd love to connect with you, get you some resources that we think might be helpful uh, along your journey, some some resources that kind of anticipate some questions that we think you might have. And so you can simply text us at 408-944-5402. That's 408-944-5402. Or you can email us if you're overseas or or, or you prefer that method. Just simply email us at info at centralsj.org and we'll get those over to you. We're not going to harass you or show up at your door or try to give you a free kitten or anything like that. We just want to connect with you, get you some resources and help you along in your spiritual journey.